You might be thinking, I already know about all the famous people who committed crimes, but you'd be wrong. Today, Amy and I are going to share with you some disturbing celebrity crimes that might not be on your radar. Good to see you. I'm Chris, and this is True Crime Recaps. From drug possession and underage porn to assault and murder, these 10 celebrities found themselves in some really sticky situations, and we're going to share how it all went down starting with Army Hammer and those rape and cannibal allegations. Now, it's one thing to have a dominant, submissive relationship fetish. This is not about kink shaming. From what we hear, his proclivities go a little darker and deeper than that. A former girlfriend model, Paige Lorenz, put it this way, This is just holding a dangerous, delusional egoist accountable for preying on women and hurting them. In March 2021, he was publicly accused of emotional, mental, and physical abuse by a former girlfriend known as Effie. She filed rape charges, saying he repeatedly slammed her head against the wall. Her House of Effie Instagram account brought his behind-the-scenes behavior into the public eye through leaked screenshots of alleged cannibal conversations he had with her and other women between 2016 and 2020. How about this collection of quotes? You just live to obey and be my slave. I will own you. That's my soul, my brain, my spirit, my body. Would you come and be my property till you die? If I wanted to cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket so I always had a piece of you in my possession, I am 100% a cannibal. I want to eat you. I need to drink your blood. Weird? Yes. Disturbing? If that's not a fetish you agreed to, then yeah, lock the doors. But are the screenshots actually real or what? A former fling, Jessica Henriquez, says they are. In fact, she tweeted this message. If you're still questioning whether or not those Army Hammer DMs are real, and they are, maybe you should start questioning why we live in a culture willing to give abusers the benefit of the doubt instead of the victims. Of course, he denies any wrongdoing and says every encounter was consensual. Some women say differently. Take Paige, for example. She claims he carved the letter A into her skin near her bikini area, licked the blood off her, and sent pictures to his friends. She also told the son that he, quote, allegedly kept mannequins in his basement to practice tying up women and talked about wanting to strangle his dog. Come on, man. According to her, he was obsessed with meat, bones, and veins. Another girl claims he told her he wanted to break her rib, barbecue, and eat it. She says she checked herself into a 30-day treatment for PTSD and trauma after their breakup in the fall of 2020, and it looks like the LAPD thinks there's enough evidence of non-consensual behavior to take a closer look. Sky News says a sexual assault investigation over the rape and assault allegations have been launched. While the investigation is ongoing, Army's been living in the Cayman Islands, but at the end of May, he checked into rehab for drug, alcohol, and sex issues. Oh, and in case you were wondering, his family does not own the Arm & Hammer baking soda brand, but his grandfather did invest in it. The next name on our list is one of the planet's biggest stars. 
Will Smith. And when you hear that name, you probably don't think cold-blooded. But in 1989, the star was arrested in connection with an attack that almost blinded a man. The victim was record promoter William Hendricks. It all happened just a few days after Will Smith got his first Grammy with DJ Jazzy Jeff. He should have been on top of the world. But according to police reports, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was plotting revenge after an argument. His bodyguard turned personal hitman when Will reportedly sicked him on the promoter at a radio station in Philadelphia. The beating left Hendricks in the hospital with stitches and a fractured left eye orbit, and Will spent a night behind bars for aggravated assault and criminal conspiracy. That's a night he'd rather forget. But in 2005, he did have this to say about it, quote, it wasn't my fault. That's what they all say, but it wasn't my fault. This is back in Philly. One of my buddies beat up this dude and I was there. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So basically, a couple of guys were up to no good, started making trouble in his neighborhood. He got in one little fight, and the rest is history. Bizarre celebrity crime number eight proves that sometimes a movie's villain is also a creep in real life. I'm talking about Jeffrey Jones, or as he's better known, Principal Ed Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. In the movie, Principal Rooney becomes obsessed with high school student Ferris Bueller. He chases the boy throughout the movie, trying to catch him in a lie since Ferris called in sick to play hooky from school. Now, as it turns out, he was doing sort of the same thing in real life, but in a much more twisted way. In 2002, Jeffrey Jones was busted for allegedly hiring a 14-year-old boy to pose for lewd photos and coaxing a 17-year-old into a porno. Entertainment Weekly reported he was arrested after a year-long child porn investigation. Interestingly, he was arrested on the same day as Pee Wee Herman by the same investigators, and for much the same reason. Pee-wee star Paul Rubin pled guilty to a lower charge of obscenity, but Jeffrey narrowly avoided a three-year prison term in exchange for five years probation, counseling, and a spot on the sex offender registry for life. But maybe he figured the rules didn't apply to him. He was arrested again in 2004 for failing to register his new address. That same year, his victim claimed the case was about much more than dirty pictures. He said he suffered physical and sexual abuse and he filed a civil lawsuit against him. The suit was dismissed for unknown reasons. But Jeffrey was arrested again in 2010 for not updating his sex offender information, according to the New York Daily News. His forgetfulness earned him three more years of probation plus 250 hours of community service. What did he have to do? Clean up garbage on the side of the road. Not exactly the star treatment he'd hoped for. What is it with some celebrities and child porn? If you were a fan of the TV show Glee, do you remember where you were when you heard Puck was arrested? In 2015, Puck, or as his mother named him, Mark Salling, he was arrested for downloading more than 25,000 images of child pornography on his laptop. And these were young, young kids, like some as young as three, according to Entertainment Weekly. And as if that wasn't enough, the same report claims over 600 videos featuring children were found on a flash drive in his house outside of L.A. Apparently, it was an ex-girlfriend that tipped off the authorities about his collection. Now, normally, something like that would be handled by the state of California, but... 
Because of the sheer amount of images and videos he was holding onto, his case went federal. He was looking at a prison term of up to seven years, a spot on the sex offender list, a treatment program, and a $50,000 restitution bill payable to his victims in the pictures. And he would have been banned from areas where kids congregate, places like schools, playgrounds, parks. He agreed to those terms and seemed resigned to his fate. And then in January 2018, just weeks before he was sentenced, he committed suicide in a remote area near a creek not far from his house. He was 35. As far as sex-related crimes go, Marx was pretty extreme. But if it's not sex that does a star in, it's drugs. Only hardcore fans of Bruno Mars will remember his arrest at the Hard Rock Hotel in 2010. The Uptown Funk singer was busted with 2.6 grams of cocaine, according to U.S. Weekly. But you won't find that charge on his permanent record. He stayed out of trouble for the next year, and it was wiped clean. He did have to do some community service, though. I mean, celebs and drug charges go together like peanut butter and jelly. The next star on our list makes Bruno Mars' drug possession look like nothing. Who would have thought that before Tim Allen cultivated his on-screen roles as a wholesome family movie and TV star, he was the go-to guy for cocaine in Kalamazoo, Michigan. A sting operation in 1978 caught him at the airport selling 650 grams of coke to an undercover cop. Once they had him in cuffs, they gave him a choice, life in prison or snitch. If life behind bars sounds like a little much for holding what amounted to a pound and a half of cocaine, let me explain. One month before his arrest, Michigan passed a law giving life to dealers caught with a minimum of 650 grams of coke or heroin. Bizarre coincidence, huh? And just so you know, that much coke in 1978 would have paid out about $42,000. Now you can probably guess which way he went. He ratted out more than 20 other dealers and did less than three years in jail. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, don't snitches get stitches? Well, they do, but only if they get caught. And Tim was allowed to serve his time in Minnesota, not Michigan. It sounds like he always had star quality and talent for making people laugh. During his sentencing, the judge told him, be a man, do your time, then come out and do what you do best. I expect you to be a very successful comedian. If only the next celeb on our list could have the same come-to-Jesus moment. I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Nicholas Brendan. Now take a look at his most recent mugshot. Uh, it definitely looks like Xander has gone through some shiznay over the years. The latest in a long string of arrests happened in August 2021 in Indiana. The charge? Allegedly obtaining prescription drugs by fraud, according to TMZ. But you have to hear how he was caught. Cops pulled him over after spotting his silver Dodge Journey swerving all over the road. He was shaking, sweating, looking real nervous when they approached the car. So the California ID he handed them was in the name of Kelton Schultz. He claimed Kelton was his twin brother. Did you know he he does actually have an identical twin, but his name isn't Kelton Schultz. It's Kelly Donovan. And if you've ever seen a Buffy episode, you've seen Kelly playing Xander's body double. But between Nicholas's game of who am I and his very suspicious behavior and the fact that the carpeting in his car was removed, police marked him as a potential drug trafficker and called in the dogs. 
That's when they found what they're calling small plastic bags of crystal powder residue and Kelton's prescription for amphetamine salts. Did I have to Google what amphetamine salts are? Yes, I did. Basically, it's Adderall. So what Nicholas was doing with it is a longer story, but the short version is that he was just doing this mysterious Kelton person a favor and filling his prescription. Yeah. But as I said, this is just the latest for Buffy's sidekick Xander. In 2015 and 2017, he was arrested for domestic violence on two different girls. One night in 2017, a crowd in a very public Palm Springs hotel bar saw him choke and pull his girlfriend to their table by her hair. According to her, he was even more violent behind closed doors. She claims he held a knife to her throat, kicked her, punched her, even bit her. He was looking at four years for the Palm Springs fight, but he got off with the domestic violence program and 20 hours of community service. Hey, he should be used to community service by now because past incidents include resisting arrest, drunken property damage at an Idaho Comic-Con, public intoxication at a Comic-Con in South Carolina, and trashing a Florida hotel room during, you guessed it, Comic-Con. Maybe batten down the hatches if he's going to appear at your Comic-Con? Just just a thought. Our next star is no stranger to the lure of drugs. Mark Wahlberg told Vanity Fair that he developed a pretty serious cocaine problem as a teenager hanging out with the wrong crowd in Boston. That might explain why he was involved in a series of hate crimes. When he was 15, an ambulance driver had to get between him and three black children to stop him from throwing rocks and racial slurs at them. The next day, according to a quote from The Independent, he harassed another group of mostly black children at the beach. These were small kids around 9 or 10 years old. According to this report, he even called for other white guys to join in the abuse and rock throwing. Two years later, in 1988, while high on PCP, he knocked a Vietnamese man unconscious with a five-foot piece of wood. Later that day, he used his fists to brutally beat another Vietnamese man. He was charged with civil rights violations and attempted murder, but pleaded it down to felony assault with a sentence of two years. He served 45 days behind bars. But in a 2014 attempt to get the charge wiped from his record, he said his time in jail made him change his ways. Interestingly, he dropped his request for a pardon in 2016. In a 2020 interview with The Guardian, he said he'd, quote, done the work, owned up to his mistakes, and turned his life around back then. What do his victims think about that? Well, one of the little girls attacked at the beach told the Associated Press, quote, I don't really care who he is. If you're a racist, you're always going to be a racist. But the second Vietnamese man he beat says he's forgiven him, and the actor deserves a second chance. What do you think? Jay-Z, a.k.a. Sean Carter a.k.a. Mr. Beyonce, wasn't always the dapper billionaire he is today. Back in the late 80s and 90s, he faced two charges for attempted murder. He caught the first charge after a fight broke out at a party in Maryland. In that case, a friend of his, Calvin Klein, not the designer, took the rap for him so he could keep creating music. It's an interesting story, and it's even better when you hear it straight from Calvin. Take a listen to this clip from an interview he gave VLAD-TV. 
Yeah, um, I mean, the, the lyric from um, the Black Album, I Never Felt More Alive, Riding Shotgun and Clowns Green Fire, that came from a, um, a case that he and I caught in, um, in 89. We, um, we was at a party, um, Mayhem just broke out, broke out crazy. And, you know, we being from Brooklyn, being from New York, and not many people, um, wasn't that many people with us. Probably maybe, say, a dozen of us, a little less than a dozen, going up against, like, maybe, say, 200 people in the, in the, in the party. And uh, when it all broke down, we all went back to back and everything else. But long story short, you know, um, Jay and I wound up being the one to get caught. And uh, we actually got locked up, um, charged with attempt murder, attempt murder to main, battery assault and possession of a deadly weapon. Um, I wind up somewhat kind of convincing the guy that was pressing charges on us to drop the charges. But he was kind of like hard pressed to saying that he was willing to drop the charges on one person, but he wasn't willing to drop the charges on both of us. So, you know, that's how that played out where um, I got Jay off the case and I was actually going to um, I actually took the case on and went to trial. Uh, Jay testified on my behalf um, on that. But um, if it had not been, you know, my my wittiness of, you know, going to the guy and talking to him and, you know, working some things out, you know, off the record or not even so much to say off the record, though, but behind the scenes situation where uh, we work matters out where. He didn't have to drop charge Jay. And but if it so happened that he did um, keep in mind, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Jay would have lost his moment of opportunity because he and I both would have been sitting in there doing um, more than 10 years because I went to trial facing 40 years. And out of 40 years in the state of Maryland, you do no less than 10. Now, that's a good friend. But 10 years later, Jay-Z found himself back in front of a judge on a similar charge after being accused of stabbing a man in the stomach. The bloody fight started between him and record executive Lance Rivera at a record release party at the Kit Kat Club in New York City. Witnesses say an argument broke out and Jay-Z and his entourage surrounded Lance and another man. What were they fighting about? Well, that's a little fuzzy. Some say it was over a girl. Others claim it was all about bootlegged copies of Jay-Z's unreleased album. When things boiled over, police say he plunged a knife into the record exec's stomach and broke a bottle over his head before running out of the club. Jay-Z turned himself in, but with a caveat. He claimed he didn't do it. Now, the law said he did, and they were ready to throw him behind bars for 15 years. His saving grace was defense lawyer Murray Richmond, according to DJBooth.net. Murray was a prominent mob lawyer in the 70s and 80s, and by the 90s, he was working his magic for soon-to-be star rappers like the Empire State of Mind creator. Two years later, Jay-Z walked with three years probation. Pretty sweet deal, right? Well, our Spotify playlists are better for it today. Now, some celebrity crimes can't be ignored. Have you heard about the tragic murder-suicide of WWE wrestling star Chris Benoit? Well, here's what happened. Chris was living in Fayetteville, Georgia with his second wife, Nancy, and their seven-year-old son, Daniel, when he suddenly snapped. On June 22, 2007, he strangled the life out of Nancy and left her on the floor, tied up with a towel wrapped around her. A Bible was placed near her body. Later that day, he told a friend over the phone she had food poisoning. The next morning, he drugged his seven-year-old son with Xanax, then smothered him while he lay sleeping in his bed. Chris left a second Bible next to his little body. 
He made excuses to WWE staff claiming Daniel was sick and in the hospital, so he wouldn't be able to make it to a WWE event he'd committed to, but he promised he'd be at work in Houston the next day. But instead of getting on a flight, on June 24th, Chris fashioned a lat pull-down machine into a killing device. He removed the bar, turned the machine's cord into a noose, and let the weights drop, effectively strangling himself to death. And yeah, a Bible was found on the machine's bench. When he didn't show up at the match in Houston, they suspected something was really wrong. A welfare check revealed the truth. Two murders and a suicide. That's what investigators believe happened. But no one really knows for sure. Chris didn't leave a note. And although there were previous reports of domestic violence, no one believed he'd be capable of doing something like that. And the family seemed to be in a loving place. Some people still believe all three of them were murdered, possibly by a rival jealous over Chris's growing WWE fame. A more likely trigger, though, was the severe traumatic brain injuries he suffered throughout his 22-year career. All those hits he took left him with a brain so severely damaged that his 40-year-old brain looked more like an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. He was suffering from severe chronic traumatic brain injuries, known as CTE, and all four lobes of his brain and brainstem were damaged. Tragically, it wasn't just his wife and son that were taken. Esquire reported that after the case closed, the WWE scrubbed all mention of his name and his legendary career. Remember Dr. Evil's henchman from the first Austin Powers movie? His character's name was Random Task, but his real name is Joe Sun. But everything else about the murderous, menacing character he played in the movie is a lot like the person he was off screen. In 2008, he was arrested in Los Angeles for something pretty minor. He kicked in the door of a former friend's car and his plea deal required him to submit his DNA for the state database. The situation got a whole lot more serious from there. His DNA traced back to an unsolved kidnapping, rape, and torture case from 1990. It was Christmas Eve when Joe and another man targeted a 19-year-old girl out walking her dog, looking at Christmas lights. As Joe approached her, pretending to be lost, his friend jumped her from behind. The two of them dragged her into the car, drove her to Huntington Beach, and raped and tortured her at gunpoint for hours. All the time, whispering promises of the gruesome death and mutilation he had in mind for her. He told her she was his Christmas present. He wanted to throw her body off a cliff onto the beach for the cops to find. In a Dateline interview later, she prefers to remain anonymous, by the way. She described how she tried to stay alive. She begged them to let her go, telling them she was a new mom and she didn't see their faces. Miraculously, they let her live, but left her with most of her hair ripped out of her head, broken bones, a broken jaw, and hearing loss. Later, she told the court, My 20s were stripped away from my life as I relearned how to walk, see, hear, and cope with the outside world again, not to mention the impact it's made on celebrating Christmas year after year, according to the Daily Beast. Can you imagine the trauma this brave girl fought through for years, knowing her attackers were still out there somewhere? And meanwhile, one of them was starring in a featured role in a blockbuster movie. The moment when his DNA solved her cold case, that phone call, when the cops told her they finally got him, after 18 years of not knowing, she told Dateline it was like getting a piece of herself back. 
And yes, she had seen the Austin Powers movie. In fact, she owned it. But she didn't put his character together with her attacker. There were seven years between her attack and the movie release. He looked very different. She said later, knowing he'd been in her home in her copy of the film for years was yet another kind of mental torture. And she wasn't his only victim. Only next time, he wouldn't let them live. One month after he started serving his life sentence for attacking her, he beat his cellmate to death. The only thing he said when the guard showed up was, I told you I needed to get out of here. And that's our top 10 list of disturbing celebrity crimes. Thanks for listening. If you were as surprised by these as we were, please subscribe so you never miss a recap. And if you got a second, it would mean so much to us if you'd take the time to leave us a five-star review. It honestly means the world to us and really helps us keep the show going. Until next time, take care.